Do you struggle with comparing your kids to each other? Do you ever feel guilty for loving one of your kids more than the other? My guest and I will discuss these topics and more on today's episode of Redeeming the Chaos. I'm your host, Laurie Christine. I'm also an author, a Bible teacher, and a certified biblical parenting coach. This is the podcast for moms who may feel a bit frazzled and overwhelmed by the responsibility of raising boys. If you want your boys to grow up to be strong, courageous young men who are fully committed to following Jesus, this is the show for you. In all the chaos of raising boys, we recognize that Christ is the only one who can redeem the chaos in our world, our homes, and our own hearts. I know that I can't do this alone. I desperately need God to give me strength every step of this journey. But guess what? I also need you. I would love for you to join me on this wild, wonderful, chaotic adventure of raising courageous boys and connecting their hearts to Christ. As moms, it is easy to compare our children to each other. We compare their developmental progress, like Alex didn't walk until till he was 18 months, but Gracie walked at 10 months. We also compare their personalities. Emma is really outgoing, but Sadie is quiet and reserved. Sometimes comparing our kids to each other isn't necessarily wrong as long as we don't attach assumptions and judgment to those comparisons. One of the mistakes that we boy moms often make is to compare our sons with our daughters. Or if we only have boys, to compare our sons with our friends' kids who have girls. But the reality is boys develop differently than girls. And all of you boy moms probably already know this. They reach milestones at different stages than girls do, and they have been blessed with unique, God-given qualities that may at times make you question your sanity. We have a special guest on the show today who has struggled with playing the comparison game with her kids. She is the mom of a set of boy and girl twin toddlers. She's also the author of Collar Cases, a mystery chapter book series for 7 to 11-year-old readers, and she writes for readers who love Jesus, dragons, detectives, and droids. Amanda Trumpower, welcome to Redeeming the Chaos. Thank you. I'm so excited. Well, I am excited to hear a little bit more about your family and your experience with boy and girl twin toddlers. So tell us just a little bit about your family, the ages of your kids, things like that. Sure. My family has a really fun origin story. My husband and I met on eHarmony in October of 2016, and we met and married almost 365 days to the day of our first internet conversation. And then about six months later, we found out we were expecting It was a surprise because we were going to wait until our first anniversary. Obviously, that did not happen. And so then we went in to confirm the pregnancy, and the doctor was like, oh, wow, you're having twins. And I was like, I beg your pardon? (laughs) So that was two, almost three years ago. My twins will be three, two days before Christmas in 2021, and we are just loving the twin life. That is so fun. So we're talking today about comparisons, making comparisons between our kids and having two kids the exact same age, one being a boy and one being a girl. I'm sure it is a challenge to not compare them, to not have expectations. So tell us just a little bit about your journey with that. How, how have you been challenged to not compare your kids? What are some of the, the things that have come up um, in your parenting journey? 
Sure. It is such a challenge. I only have twin children, so I don't I don't want to make it sound like I'm an expert on parenting in general. All I know is children who are the exact same age, but just from my experiences, it is so hard not to compare them. Um, we'll maybe go into it a little bit later, but the shorter version of the story is that my son had health issues right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So for the first year and a half of life, my daughter was very much ahead of him in a couple of important ways. And ever since then, it has been a challenge not to compare them. Now they're regular toddlers with no um, special health issues that we have to take into consideration. But the comparison game is still very difficult when she behaves one way or when he's throwing a tantrum. That's not something that I would see from her. I I have to fight every day not to compare them not only to their friends but against each other because I know that that's not fair to them. And it, it is hard. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that some of those differences and discrepancies that you've seen, do you, would you attribute that to some of his health issues as he was growing up? Or do you think there are more things that are just like the differences between boys and girls and just how they are developing? Absolutely. It's a little bit of both. So for the health issues, my son stopped growing at about 30 weeks in utero. Mm-hmm. So they were emergency delivered at 33 weeks, but my son was only two and a half pounds when he was born. His oh, wow. sister was twice that size. And he had a couple of internal issues, organs not functioning, things like that, um, all related to prematurity. Uh, We eventually found out it was a long road to eliminate other diseases and other concerns. But at the end of the day, after many weeks in the NICU, uh, we were able to determine that all of his health issues were just related to prematurity. So growing up, he hit some early development stones much later than she did. Crawling and walking were big ones that he was quite late on. And that was because of his prematurity. His body just wasn't ready to do it yet. Now that we're toddlers, though, and we're healthy, particularly in our journey from two years old to three years old, I have seen a skyrocketingly high number of differences that I believe are just gender differences. The way that he expresses anger versus the way that she expresses anger or um, affection, the way that they like to play, it's becoming increasingly different. And it's they're not bad or good, they're just different. And I, I think it's uh, gender related. Yeah. Give us some examples. So you say that they express anger differently or they express affection differently. What are some examples <laughs> or stories of, of how that played out in your family? Right. So both of both of the kids throw tantrums. Tantrums are not gender specific by any means. But Jace, my son, has a very short, we call it a short fuse. And I don't think that that's boy exclusive, although I do think it's common in little boys. So when he gets to the end of his rope and he hits his little short short fuse, there is no reasoning with him. You have to step back. You have to let him have the tantrum. When he was a little bit younger, he liked to get down on the ground and just slam his head into the floor repetitively. Didn't matter if it was carpet or hard floor. He would just physically thrash throw things, hit until his temper had passed. And then he would get up and usually want to hug from me. And he was happy and ready to go after that. My daughter, if she gets upset, it's a long road to get her back from it. She will, there's probably a whiny period in there. And if I don't give in to the demands, it can lead to a tantrum. She's she's more inclined to just stay at a, a prolonged whiny 
stage uh, and not hit full out tantrum, but it can happen. And then after her, if her anger manifests, it's tears, but she wants a hug right away. She wants me right there. She wants me holding her. If I tried to hold Jace in the middle of his tantrum, I would get punched in the nose. (laughs) And then once um, her anger has subsided, she's all snuggly as well and also wants a hug. So that part is the same. That's so interesting how boys just are so much more physical and, (laughs) and then, and, but then they bounce back so quickly too, you Mm -hmm. know, they don't hold on to grudges. And I know like we are speaking in generalities here. I'm Mm -hmm. sure all of you listening can identify kids or your own children who don't fit in to -hmm. this mold, but we are speaking in generalities and yeah, they just need to punch it out. They need to fight it out, but then (laughs) they're done and they snap right back. And I know from my own experience, sometimes my kids are like, all right, cool, mom, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, I just need some time to calm down (laughs) from this tantrum. I am still emotionally invested where they're over it and ready to move on because they, you know, punched a wall or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That has been a a reoccurring theme for me, especially as we hit the toddler years, the tantrums, especially when you have two at the same time, the tantrums, they just come and go all day. And especially with Jace, like he's totally done when he's done with his tantrum. He's ready to go. He's nice and calm. He wants to play and laugh and giggle. And my mom's stress is still way up here over the last three tantrums that we just endured. So yeah, I feel you on that one. And then what about showing affection? Because boys, even in the way they show affection is often physical and even aggressive sometimes in their little minds. What's your experience been with that? So that one's a lot of fun. My daughter, I'll start with her first. Her name's Justine. My daughter has just hit a very uh, relational stage. So she will say to me, I love you, mommy. I want you to sit with me, mommy. Read me a book, mommy. You know, things that just make your mom heart feel fantastic. Jace does not do those things. Jace runs around me. He doesn't need or want my direct attention nearly as much as she does. He just wants to know that I'm available. He prefers to come to me when he's ready. So he'll play with his trucks or he'll run around in circles in the living room. And then he'll come up and he'll go hug mommy and he'll give me a hug for like three seconds. And then he'll run off and he'll go play again. And then when he's ready, he'll come back and hug me. So it's brief. It's usually in the form of a game. He's uh, laughing and giggling and playing a game and that's where he wants the hug. He doesn't use words to tell me that he enjoys story time with me or that he wants to snuggle with me. He just comes and does it if he wants to. And then he carries on with his day. (laughs) Yeah, my boys, I don't know that I've ever heard any of them express verbal affection like oh I love you mommy you know (laughs) if you all have boys and girls those of you guys listening I'm sure I would love to hear your comments and your experiences (laughs) just with the differences between boys and girls but just having boys myself they never say oh I love you but they express their affection in other ways and often it is very physical it's aggressive sometimes Mm -hmm. like I'll bend over or I'll kneel down to pick up something and they'll just come and jump on my back and I'm Mm -hmm. usually very unprepared and my first (laughs) reaction is like get off of me. What are you doing? <laughs> you almost knocked me over, but I have to mentally adjust my expectations or adjust my thinking and be like, okay, mm-hmm. this is their way of showing affection. They're not trying to knock me over. The- and my my youngest, my five-year-old, he'll just be walking past in the kitchen and just like smack me on the butt. And I'm like, um, <laughs> hey, that's not okay. <laughs> He's just like saying, hey, I love you, mom. <laughs> 
That's his way of communicating affection sometimes. So yeah, it's so fun to see as your kids are getting older between two and three, they're really Mm -hmm. kind of developing those little personalities, just starting to see that unique design um, for them. And comparison isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, just pointing out the fact, oh, I've noticed that my son does this and my daughter does this. Like that's comparison, but it's not wrong to just notice those differences. And I think it actually can be beneficial to look at some of those differences and be like, okay, my son does it this way. And and to adjust your expectations as a mom, I think is is where it comes down to recognizing God's design for boys, how they can't sit still when mm-hmm. they're little, you know, they're very active. They need to be moving around. Their their verbal and social development is going to be behind the girls in their life. I mean, that's not bias. That's just a fact. Like when mm-hmm. when pediatricians measure boys' development, boys are often bigger at the same age as the girls at the, of, of that stage. And they don't have impulse control until much later mm-hmm. in life. And so I think just um, adjusting our expectations as moms of boys, I think, is really beneficial. Mm-hmm. How have you had to adjust some of those expectations where maybe you're in a situation where your son or daughter are, your daughter sitting there quietly and peacefully with her hands folded next to you in church and your son is like under the pew. Licking the paint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That that's so funny. So you mentioned impulse control. That is something we talk a lot about in my house. My husband and I try very, very hard to be a solid parenting team on the same page, united fronts, you know, all those good things. So we often have a little debrief when we have to have a a situation with the kids where some discipline was hand distributed. And so we have a little debrief about what we think happened and what we would do differently. So one of the things we're struggling with with Jace right now is he will pick up a toy And if you ask him to put it away or put it down and he doesn't want to, his response to your request is to defiantly throw it across the room. Hmm. Now, there is definitely some defiance there, but I also want to try to give him as much grace as possible because I know his little boy brain does not have a lot of impulse control. So while I do think he was being defiant and you know, chose not to put the toy down down nicely. I don't want to totally come down on him super hard on the aspect of him throwing the toy because I mean, his little, his little boy brain just doesn't have the control to not randomly throw things when he has a big feeling, you know, whereas my daughter doesn't tend to do that. And I had to catch myself from expecting him to behave the same way as her, especially in areas of body control, because I realized some of what he was doing was just him being two or him getting closer to three and that excess energy, not wanting to sit still for story time anymore. I'm a, I'm a former librarian, so trying to instill early literacy literacy in my kids in a way that would be fun and attractive to them was really important to me. So from a very early age, I tried to introduce like, okay, here's a little story blanket. And for 45 seconds, we're going to sit here and we're going to read the story or, you know, whatever it was. And they were doing really well. I was so proud of them. And then within the last six months, like Jace has just lost interest in cooperating. (laughs) 
And I want to continue introducing this skill because he does need to learn to sit still. I mean, just because a little boy is not wired to do that doesn't mean that at some point they won't need to know how to do it, but they also don't have to master it by two. So I'm trying to introduce it. I'm trying to continue to make it as fun as possible and to say, hey, buddy, let's at least give this a try. But if he can't handle it as long as she can, it's not fair for me to expect him to do anything differently because he's just different than she is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as boys get older, that that skill definitely develops. But keeping in mind that they do need more hands-on activities and more just outlets for being physical, for running around. My kids will sometimes play with Legos or something while I'm reading because mm. I love books too. I'm a huge mm-hmm. proponent of children's literacy and I could sit and read books to my kids all day long. And um, obviously they are not quite so on board with (laughs) sitting and reading all day long. (laughs) Although I will say um, my older two, they're 11 and nine, depending on the story, they would sit and listen for hours Mm. while I read to them. And sometimes they're, they're playing with a toy or playing with Legos or coloring or whatever, doing something to keep them focused. But so there, there is that potential there, especially if it's an engaging story. I actually learned as an aside, we were speaking about body movement a moment ago. I've been trying to work on some early Bible memorization with my kids, just really simple, easy verses. But it was going okay. They were they were pretty interested. They're they're willing to give almost anything a try as long as I make it uh, fun enough. So we had learned a couple of verses and it was going pretty well. And then I noticed that Jace was just losing interest. My daughter is very quick with anything related to words. Her speaking level is actually a little bit advanced for her age. So anything related to words, she just really latches on too quickly. And I think sometimes he gets frustrated that she gets to it before he does. So he was just starting to lose interest in the Bible verses. And I was like, okay, well, how could I make this a better fit for uh, him specifically? So I added hand motions, which I know is not revolutionary. Everybody who works with little kids does it. I just, for some reason, forgot. (laughs) I don't know why, but I was like, oh, we're supposed to be doing hand motions. So I gave it a try. And I tell you what, that boy loves performing his Bible verses if you let him do the hand motions. It's just a riot. It was so cool to see how that little tweak tailored to him as an individual compared to his sister, how much that just made a difference in his ability to succeed. That is so great when we're able to tie in more senses, tie in um, not just listening auditory, but tie in visuals and especially when they can actually physically be involved with learning. I think that's so great for our boys. So Amanda, what advice would you give or how would you encourage moms who just feel like they're struggling with comparing their kids either to other siblings or even to other kids outside of the family? What advice or encouragement would you have for for those moms? So my advice to moms like myself who are trying to remember not to compare their children is that we've got to let them figure out things in their own time. So be patient with your kids. Trust that God knew what he was doing when he made them. Jace gets very fixated on things. He's He has this incredibly narrow focus that he can just laser apply to something. And it's frustrating to me at times because he gets so focused, I can't get him to stop the bad behavior or I can't get him to transition. But I have to believe that focus is there for a reason. We obviously need to refine it a little bit and help him mature. But God knew what he was doing when he designed Jace. He gave him all the 
beginning skills and little components that are going to grow as Jace grows in order for him to succeed in whatever it is God's going to call him to do. So trust that God knows what he was doing when he made your kids and trust that when they need to figure something out, they, they'll, they'll figure it out. It just may take them longer than what you think it should take them. <laughs> yeah. I love that you pointed out just recognizing his determination and how he can be laser focused on something. And that might be frustrating right now, Mm -hmm. but looking to the future, you can see, okay, I think God could use this in, in his life to, to bring glory to himself and just encouragement to our listeners. So many times our kids have something, a character trait that is so frustrating to us right now. But if we can look at it in the light of how could God use this for good? So for example, being super stubborn (laughs) might be really frustrating for his moms. But, you know, if we look at that and be like, you know what, God could use this stubbornness to really accomplish good things if it's just channeled in the right direction and channeled into the right, into the right avenue. So, so just keeping that in mind as, as we sometimes get lost in the moment of Mm -hmm. parenting and, and as your kids get older, you can have conversations with them, you know, like, I love that God has given you this stubbornness. (laughs) And right now you are not using your stubbornness for good. You're using it to hurt people or you're using it to to be destructive or <laughs> to cause problems. But I will say to my boys, um, I am praying that that God will take this stubbornness and use it to really help you be successful in life. I think the other thing that's easy to forget is that just like God knew what he was doing when he designed our kids, he also knew what he was doing when he placed them with us. There were times, especially when uh, the twins were newborns and getting over sickness and just the extreme duress that, that put us under, there were times that I was like, I don't know why God gave me these kids. I mean, I love them, but I am not able to do this. I I didn't know much about, I didn't know anything about babies up until the day my twins were born. <laughs> I have a lot of experience with kids, but never with babies. And now I had two sick ones. And there were so many days where I was like, I am not the mom that these kids need to be. I feel like we're all probably there on some days. I think all moms have that thought. And I, I've had enough women in my life, experienced women who are like, you know what? God knew what he was doing when he made you the mom of these kids. Your personality, your strengths, and your weaknesses are uniquely designed to interact with your kids. And just like it's going to take God growing your kids to maturity, it's going to take God helping you be the parent that you need to be. But it is possible because God is the common denominator in both of those equations. And as long as you're pursuing him, both in your personal life and also in what you're trying to teach your kids, he's going to make it work out. That's really good advice. And remembering that God didn't necessarily give us our kids because he knew we could handle them, Mm -hmm. but maybe so that he could use our kids to grow our own character mm-hmm. and to to bring us more into his likeness and maybe for the very reason that we can't handle them <laughs> i i've had i've had people give me the advice oh well you know god knew that you would be able to handle these boys i'm like no yeah he knew that i wouldn't be able to handle these boys <laughs> and i have to look to him every day for guidance and for strength and for wisdom. And I think God often gives us the kids that he knows that we need in order to make us more dependent on him. And 
to bring us closer to him. I concur with that wholeheartedly, especially the first year with the twins. We went on a trial by fire, you know, the Bible verses that talk about a refining fire. That's what that year felt like because we had the selfishness just evaporated out of us. <laughs> not that we're uh, not selfish still, but as a lifestyle and as a character flaw, boy, God really used that first year of our kids' lives to deeply root out a lot of the um, selfish habits in my life and in my husband's life by merit of having to give so much to two babies who needed even extra help than normal. And then in the year from, I'd say, uh, one to two and then two to three, he's really using our kids to teach us about patience. Like you think you're a patient person until you have young children in the house. <laughs> and then you realize just how terribly selfish and impatient you can be. And it's really quite terrifying to be confronted with the darkness and how impatient you could be in yourself. God has really used our kids as an opportunity to grow our faith and be like, wow, okay, we screw up a lot. If God had the patience that we have we would be in a bad spot because we are terrible listeners, just like our children, and we don't uh, learn from our mistakes, and we repeat the same issues over and over again. But God is so patient, and that model we can kind of try to absorb into our own lives and give back to our kids. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Amanda, I just want to transition for just a minute real quick. I would love to hear a little bit about the writing that you're working on, the book projects that you have going, and just tell us a little bit about that and then also where our listeners can get in touch with you. Sure. So I write, at the moment, mystery chapter books for readers ages 7 to 11. I come from a homeschooling background. I'm a second-generation homeschooler. I was homeschooled, and I'm homeschooling my children. So these books, I intend to be for homeschool families. If you don't homeschool, they're still a good fit for you. They're a Christian-based. The mystery books each have a biblical theme. So the first book is about not taking revenge. The second book is about storing up your treasures in places that matter, like the Bible um, talks about. So the series is called Collar Cases, and it's uh, a mystery series with characters who are animals but talk. So Mittens Meow and Alex Digger are my canine and feline investigative journalists, and they solve mysteries in their small town of Bow Wow and learn lessons about character traits and basic biblical principles along the way. When I was talking about the books being intended for homeschoolers, when I was growing up as a homeschooler, a lot of us needed a higher level reading difficulty, but content that was still appropriate for a child. Yes. So when I write collar cases, that's kind of what I'm shooting for. I say that the readers intended are between seven and 11 years old. What I really hope is that if you have an advanced reader in between those ages, that this is a book they can read independently. And then if you have a more on-target reader, they may be a little bit challenging for them to read independently, but it would be a really fun family read aloud. Or if you're into audiobooks, we have professionally narrated audiobooks for each of the mysteries, so you could do it that way as well. But that is the project that I'm working on. I also do fantasy and sci-fi for adults, but right now it's color cases mostly. I love that you are writing books for kids at a higher reading level with lower content. I think that is such a big need in the market of 
literature. Several of my kids are really advanced readers. And yeah, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm ready for you to read that content, even though that's <laughs> the <laughs> that's where your reading level is at. Like my fifth grader is probably reading at like a ninth or 10th grade yeah, reading yeah. level. And that's why I'm so excited to write for my homeschool community, because it is uh, such a desperate need to have solid, clean, entertaining fiction that is still as good as everything else. It's a nice professional quality, but there's not the content in there that parents are just tired of having to deal with. So where can our listeners find these books? Are they available for purchase? Uh, Yep. So you can find me at collarcases.com, collar like a dog collar, cases.com. I'm launching books one through three will be available spring 2022. We're at the time of this recording, waiting on artwork mostly for them. And then in the spring, we will be ready to go. And then in succeeding months, there will be a book that comes out in the fall. And then beyond that, the regular rhythm will be one out in the spring and one out in the fall. So I'm really excited. Um, Amanda actually asked me to partner with her on one of the books, and I'm going to be writing an accompanying devotional Mm -hmm. to go with one of the Color Cases books. So I will have more information on that when that is coming out, but I'm excited to to partner with you, Amanda, on that project. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Well, it has been so much fun chatting with you, and we're just really thankful for you sharing your heart with us and just some of your experiences with raising boys and girls and (laughs) just some of those differences. So any final words of encouragement or final thoughts that you want to share? I think... If we were going to get real for a moment, one of the major guilt issues that I have been struggling with lately as the mom of a little boy and a little girl at the exact same age is that sometimes I feel like I love my daughter more than my son just mm-hmm. because of how well she's able to express her feelings back to me. And we all know that your feelings are not an accurate accurate representation of reality. So if you are feeling caught up in the comparison game, if you're feeling like one of your kids is just kind of stressing you out more than the other one, um, I would imagine we all at times fear that we have a favorite or that we treat one better than the other, despite our best attempts not to. Those feelings are not true. If you're trying to parent in the way that God has called you to, you're going to be doing your best to love them like God, and that's true of all of your children. So don't let the very natural tendency to compare your kids make you feel guilt, because at the end of the day, the only metric we have to worry about is, what has God called me to do for my kids, and am I doing it? If you can answer yes to the second question, then you're doing a great job, regardless of if your child is a little boy, a little girl, if they're on target or not. Well, Amanda, thank you so much again for joining us today on Redeeming the Chaos. And I will have links to your website and to those books that are going to be coming out um, in the show notes. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, I'll make sure that we have a way for them to, to do that. So thank you so much for being here. Awesome. It was great talking with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Redeeming the Chaos with Laurie Christine. Just a reminder, Amanda's books are now available on Amazon, and I have an affiliate link for you in the show notes. And you can also find them on her website, collarcases.com. If you would like to find the show notes for this episode or to find resources on raising courageous boys, go to redeemingthechaos.com.